They're making you feel very powerful emotions on how how much a stranglehold the empire has on everyday people, or not even everyday people, even people that are supposed to be working for them on their side. So it's this very odd balance of power that the empire has in the way that they choose to wield it over the entire galaxy. Welcome everyone to Krypton 2 Alderaan. I'm Joey, your Star Wars lover, and with me is Royish Good Looks. Hello, podcast. Hello, Joey. Hello, and we're the podcast that analyzes nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. And this episode, we'll be discussing The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 14, Tipping Point. But first, our power continues to grow stronger with more subscribers and views on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone. If you'd like to join in on the conversations, consider subscribing to us on YouTube. You can also find us on any social media. Just search Krypton to Alderaan. And don't forget to stick around until the end of the show. We're leading into the finale of The Bad Batch here, and usually at the end of our episodes, we ask some listener questions. And we'd love to hear from you all, especially with leading into the finale. So stick around until the end. Thank you all so, so much for listening, and let's talk about Tipping Point. Royce, here is my synopsis for this episode. Clones imprisoned! Good soldiers follow orders? As more clones begin to question this, they're arrested and transported to an unknown facility from which they never return. Luckily, a group of clone heroes are determined to liberate their brothers and provide them sanctuary with the few allies they have left. Will Crosshair be able to warn Clone Force 99 of the impending dangers? Or is everything proceeding as Dr. Hemlock has foreseen? Joey, they should put that on the DVD box set. (laughs) (laughs) You said it different, which (laughs) means now I have to type a new thing. (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. What a whirlwind of an episode. What a whirlwind of a synopsis. How did you feel about this episode? I love any Star Wars that opens up with some badass ships and some kind of gunfight, like, you know, the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, obviously, is like, whoa, this is awesome. That's putting the star in Star Wars, right? <laughs> I think it's putting the it's putting both the star and the wars in Star Wars. I'm okay with, with either or. In both, obviously. (laughs) Man, I thought those ships were real cool. They were like, I don't know if we've seen them before, but the Imperial ship reminded me of that like Republic ship at the beginning of Phantom Menace, the way the engines were laid out. And some Mm. of the other Imperial ships have that sort of vibe. But I love when that sort of calls back to other designs, but you've never seen it before, but it's inherently Star Wars. You're like, I know where we are. Also, I guess it didn't start in space. It started in that like facility, but they, they launched the ship into space. Then they have the battle. And even the clone ship was super cool that had like the little X-wing or like U-wing sort of engines on the back. So again, I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I I get it. We're in Star Wars. And man, what an awesome way to start off the episode of bringing back in Echo. And is that Cody? Gregor. Gregor. And was one of them called Nemec, but it wasn't Nemec from Andor. But I love that intro. It got me stoked. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm just replaying it in my mind right now. Who doesn't love a good space battle in a Star Wars, right? 
Echo's ship is so cool. It had like the leech component that like came off and went on top of the Imperial ship. Well, Gregor docked the main ship underneath for two points of like entry and exit. I also really loved this sequence. I also really loved the ships. Like you're saying, I love seeing like the evolution of ships throughout this. We're seeing like the pre-TIE fighters. We've seen them oh, several yeah. times throughout the course of the Bad Batch. And I think it's really cool to see their evolution. I love Echo's ship and it's awesome to see like modifications, all the different components from ships we've seen before. I would buy the out of that Lego set. <laughs> also, as soon as I saw Echo's ship and I saw like the leech component detach, I was like, it must be so cool to have the job of someone who designs these ships. Mando had some great ones this week. I really envy the person who gets to design that stuff. Some ghost vibes there too, with the like detaching pod that's also very functional on its own. Like what a great idea to have like a, a starship with like its own little uh, dinghy or whatever off the yeah. side, but still like totally capable. Like it infiltrated another star cruiser. Totally cool. It like drilled into the Imperial cruiser. It's so cool. So, so cool. We could probably spend the whole episode talking about that, or at least just saying how cool it was. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we see Echo for the first time in a while. And Gregor, you remember we met Gregor last season as they rescue Gregor from the Imperial facility. And then Hauser, they're rescuing Hauser and, and a group of other clones. Do you remember meeting Hauser? I remember Hauser defecting and throwing his blaster down and that being another, another tipping point scene in the series. But I gotta be honest, I was definitely like, wait, who are all these clones? Obviously it's not Cody because he was different, but it wasn't Rex and you just corrected me on that. I'm having a little trouble meeting so many clones and identifying them all, but cool nonetheless that there's all these unique clones that we're, we're now putting together on the same team. Let's just say they'd recognize my face. That's what Boba Fett says in the second season of The Mandalorian. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget about our friend Stun Gun, by the way. Shout out to Stun Gun and Stun Grenade. Plenty of that in this episode. I loved the part where, like, Gregor's got the ship beneath the Imperial ship. And he just opens the seal and throws the grenade out and then closes the seal again. So good. Like these stupid troopers. Also, I wonder if they're still using stun gun because the clones aren't sure whether the troopers are clones or not. Mm -hmm. You could tell they're wearing the different armor and stuff like that. But we don't know if there's clones mixed in with the, you know, conscription soldiers. So I'm wondering if that's why they're still using stun guns. That's an interesting point that they wouldn't know who they are. Either way, I like thinking that they're like, we're not trying to start a war. We're just trying to rescue yeah. our brothers. So we don't need to kill you. We're just trying to get our people back. But I love that. That's always been such a cool recurring theme in the series. And also, I'm getting a lot of vibes that they're starting to showcase that the new troopers, while kind of badass and being given so much more power in the galaxy, are still being outsmarted by the clones. Ooh, we're going to get to that. There's a lot of scenes, like even with Crosshair towards the end, I know we're jumping way through, but the new troopers, even though they kind of look badass, I'm not quite sure that they're really up to par with the clones. It was like three or four clones, you know? All of us against a, a battalion or whatever they say, like an Andor, you know? Two fighters against a Star Destroyer, they're, they're pulling the rug out from under these TK troopers, man. So take that, Empire. Yep. So while we're talking about the more broad scope of this episode, I noticed this. I thought it was really interesting. I don't maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, Royce. But I think this is the first episode where we spend time with different characters in different locations with like different plot lines. Right. Usually it's very like 
This is the Crosshair episode. This is the Clone Force 99 episode. We start off on Balmora transporting those clones. And then we go to Mount Tantus. We see Coruscant. We see Pabu. It's, and we go back and forth. Mm. On the last episode we were talking about the Bad Batch, we got into a little bit of this like idea of seeing these opposites within this show. B and Sid, Tantus and Pabu. And now they're bringing all of them together. Do you have a correction for me uh, anywhere in there? Has this happened before? I can't confirm or deny, but I did pick up on that. Like even in my notes, I wrote like cut to crosshair, cut to Pabu, cut to Tarkin. Like they clearly went to these different plot points, you know, these things happening in the same kind of linear timeline, but in different parts of the galaxy. And so that did feel different and worth noting to me, like to keep the episode straight in my head as I was taking my notes. But I like that because obviously we're at the end of the season and we have to build to that. You know, this episode's called Tipping Point, but we got to get to like the tipping point, the boiling point, like where things are going to pop off here. So this was a perfect episode connecting the dots between Crosshair reaching out to the Bad Batch, the Bad Batch mm. receiving that message, Echo meeting back up with the Bad Batch. And now everyone's sort of on the same page. We know the Bad Batch is maybe skeptical of the message from Crosshair, but now all the plots have finally converged. And that's obviously important to set up a great finale, hopefully next week. Did you think that was working or was that a turnoff with the different format? You know, I thought it was working. And there's so many times where we see some form of media that's focusing on different plot points. And I don't think they do it all that well or it's very jarring or they skip. They either spend not enough time with one and too much with another or something like that. And, and it's just super jarring. I can't think of any specific examples of that in recent memory. <laughs> We'll save it for another episode. <laughs> I think that this worked really well in the sense that if you like think of the season as a funnel and we're narrowing down to the base of the mm. funnel where all of these things are converging, it felt like all of the pieces were coming together instead of this piece is over here and then we're jumping to this piece over here. And it also, I think an extra energy that it adds to it all is maybe a feeling of imbalance, like keeping the audience off balance. We're not staying with one group too long and we're bouncing to this one and we're like, oh, nice Sunny Pabu, cut to crosshair being tortured. We've, we've talked about before, like a false sense of security and not being able to like relax while we're watching an episode and leading into the finale. I think that that's important with this episode. It kept our attention, not that it wouldn't have, but so much more than usual, I think. We meet up with Crosshair. He's being held captive on Tantus and we see them actually beginning to torture Crosshair. What did you think of seeing Crosshair or even more eerily not seeing Crosshair being tortured? Yeah, that scene with the doctor, which, by the way, hearing them announce him as Dr. Royce Hemlock really I told you, me, man. They couldn't have made a Royce character like, you know, a Jedi that <laughs> rescues Grogu. Would that have been too much to ask for? <laughs> They've done this scene a few different times in Star Wars lately, and it's clearly the Princess Leia interrogation scene from the Death Star, like very similar to that same probe droid or whatever. Same era, similar at least. So obviously the same technology. It never feels good, though, man. They really seem like they want to paint the Imperials as these evil, evil people. And they're doing a great job with that, but they've sold me on it. I don't want to see any more of that. And I don't need the Bad Batch to be a kid's show, but I would love to have a little bit more levity, even though I suppose this episode balanced that out a little bit. But yeah, it's powerful when they're like, we're going to jab you with this serum 
or we're going to gas you in this room and we're like experimenting on you and we're going to get the information out of you whether you like it or not. It's all uncomfortable, obviously written with intention. It certainly elicits a response. I feel like I've been a broken record on this, but they're making you feel very powerful emotions on how how much a stranglehold the empire has on everyday people or not even everyday people, even people that are supposed to be working for them on their side. Hemlock says, Crosshair, you're not being punished. Oh, but we are going to still torture you and try to get some information out of you. But you're not being punished. You're, in fact, going to be given an opportunity. So it's this very odd balance of power that the Empire has and the way that they choose to wield it over the entire galaxy. Very eerie and very uncomfortable, I guess. It's interesting because we've seen this similar scene in Andor with the doctor that's torturing Bix. Well, and and Pershing in Mandalorian. Like, how many times do we need to see this? Well, like you said, showing us that the Empire is this evil, evil organization. I mean, with Pershing in the Mandalorian, we're seeing the New Republic enter into some of these areas. So, you know, that's not good. But hey, go listen to our Mandalorian episode on The Convert, where we get into a bit of this, if you haven't listened already. But yeah, I mean, just incredible to see. We see in that moment that Crosshair is still devoted to the Bad Batch. I don't think Crosshair knows how to get in touch with them. I mean, he reaches out with his code, but he's like broadcasts it into space, hoping that they get it. But he doesn't know where they are. He doesn't know how to find them. They could be anywhere, but he's not telling Hemlock that he's still like taking the punishment to try to keep them safe or at least like maybe like a more honorable thing to do for his brothers in that moment. What did you think of his escape attempt? Like we've seen in this season Crosshair be a badass soldier. So this is like post-injection from the probe droid. He's not his full self. He's weak. He's He's been tortured. Yeah, I love that the lady doctor's like, you're not going to make it out of here with that serum that we put in you. And he's like, watch me. I, I'm crosshair, dude. Yeah. I'm going to make my way through just fine. Again, I love the poetry moments here when he's sneaking through the hallways and, you know, very reminiscent of, you know, escaping from the Death Star you're round a corner and there's a bunch of stormtroopers and you have a little standoff. And I gave it away earlier in the episode, but of course, like these new troopers are no match for Crosshair with this serum running through him. He's still able to, you know, hold his own and get the best of them, which I love. You're wondering like, man, is he going to escape? How is this going to wind up? And of course he gets caught back in the net. They don't give you full levity. It's not like he escaped and he's going to go join the Bad Batch. And that would be, man, that would have been interesting if he was able to get away And he's like, let's mount an offensive. We've got to get our clone brothers back or whatever, you know? That would have been an interesting take, but he's still there, captured. Again, didn't feel good. Didn't this episode end? They're still torturing him? Like, oh my goodness, why do we have to keep revisiting this? I get it. (laughs) I get it. I know who the bad guys are in Bad Batch, at the very least. And it's not the Bad Batch. Really, you know, they're the good batch, if anything, Mm, right? That's not a clickbaity title, though. (laughs) I loved the the scene of him trying to escape, you know, and obviously now you're more invested in Crosshair because you're like, darn, he couldn't get out. But he was able to at least get part of a message through to the Bad Batch. He's doing the right thing. It's a little spooky that the Bad Batch may not trust the message. They're Mm. like, I don't know. It could be a trap. It's a trap. But I don't want them to come back. And then Crosshair is turned into like a Terminator villain. And they're like, oh, no, it was a trap. He's going to kill us, you know. 
So I hope that there's yeah. still sort of a happy ending there. But again, connecting those dots perfectly, really. Yeah, I thought it was great. Did you think he was going to get out? Where do you think that scene was going? So the scientist Emery, who's overseeing Crosshair's torture, like Crosshair takes out the guards and then she says, you can't escape. There's no escape here for you. And that's when he stuns her instead of killing her, which I also think is important. And he takes her like key card. I initially thought his plan was going to be set all the clones loose and just like cause a riot. One way out. One way right. out. <laughs> exactly. But I don't think that his intention was to escape. I think like his sole intention was to get a message out and just seeing him still be able to like in his state, one clone taking on all of those troopers and beating them. He got through that facility. He took all of those troopers out and got to like the communications room by himself under the influence of whatever they have pumping through him. We see him missing shots, which we've never seen before. I mean, he makes up for it pretty quickly and he still bests the clones, even though he's missing sometimes. We've seen him get shot at by tanks and not flinch and not miss. And we see him miss, but he still is better than all of them. And honestly, you know, you've brought it up a couple of times this episode now, how bad these troopers are. And I can only think that this is the quality of soldier you get to volunteer in this kind of regime. And I think that that's very fitting and goes through all of Star Wars. All we're seeing from the original stormtroopers who can't take a shot. Compared to the clones who were born to be soldiers, they don't stand a chance. It's really ironic that they're calling the clones like, you know, old tech, you're useless, you're yeah. being retired. And it's like, well, actually, they're way better than what you currently have. But OK, <laughs> exactly. I also just love this like setup for how terrible the stormtroopers are. Like it's always been mm. a joke, right? Yeah. Stormtroopers can't make a shot. But now we're seeing we've canonized why they suck. <laughs> exactly. And that's why they rescued Gregor last season. Gregor was like training the new recruits and he said something like, well, I'm not going to show them how to be the best, am I? But also like these are the quality of soldiers you get during an imperial regime. I do think it was interesting that Crosshair stunned Emery and killed the guards. What did you think of that? You know, it's hard to see sometimes, but I think Crosshair is a little bit of a sweetheart. All right. Mm. At the end of season one, he tries to save uh, the droid for Omega, right? AZ. Yeah, yeah. They're all struggling to survive and make it to the top of the, the ocean there. They're in those like tubes or whatever. It's a very stressful scene. The robots like pushing the vials up. I think Crosshair helps save that droid and at least save the rest of the Bad Batch or whatever. And it's one of those like, yeah, it's nothing. Don't worry about it, kid. It's, it's nothing. But, you know, deep down, he also cares about the people around him, you know, and they've written his character to be sort of this tortured soul and, you know, this tool used for evil. But yeah, he doesn't need to kill. I don't know why for the plot line, she still needs to be alive. It seemed like he could have just gone out, you know, in a fit of rage and just took down everybody. But maybe, you know, the blaster wasn't on stun for him to make his escape. So those first two troopers had to be a sacrifice. He didn't need to then murder anybody else. It's showing into his character. You know, he's making a rational decision rather than like, I am set to kill. You know, here's your problem. Yeah. Your crusty doll was set to evil. You know, yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's actually a good guy. Yeah, he does kill the other troopers on his way to the communications room. He definitely purposefully stuns her. I do think like she's been nice to him, right? She's been 
relatively compassionate as much as they can be. She's well, that makes it even more complex then. Like, why that character and not the troopers? Well, they cut to her a lot during this episode, especially when Hemlock is talking about Omega and saying things like she's just a clone, she's property of the Empire. And so I think, I don't know if this is a crazy left field theory, <laughs> but I think she's a clone and Crosshair spared her life. I think she's an ally in waiting for Crosshair and the Bad Batch. I think she will help out somehow. Echo did say they had people on the inside. Is this the 24 double-double cross? <laughs> well, I hope not because she's still like following Hemlock's orders and torturing Crosshair. She did let him go and not stomp on a cyanide capsule to like electrocute her brain or whatever. So, But she might not have one if she's the only clone we've seen have that is the assassin clone. Anyway, she might be a clone. I don't know. But I think that that would be interesting. I, either way, I think she will be an ally for Crosshair coming up here. What did you think of seeing the Batch continuing their beautiful, wonderful life on Pabu? You know that we love Wrecker here on the Krypton to Alderaan podcast. <laughs> He's fishing. He's like, I, I love that. I built a dock and I moored the boat to it. Like what kind of, you know, we were making fun of dialogue with like some of the new Mandalorian episodes. Like here Wrecker is. He's like fishing. He's it's just so it's so heartwarming, but also yes, totally different than what you'd expect where he's like, I want to smash stuff, you know? Yeah. And be a soldier, here he is fishing. So, yeah, another just nice view into what they're doing on Pabu and teaching Omega to fly the ship and Hunter still thinking like, oh, maybe we could stay here. You know, I think it might be the best thing for us to stay here. Obviously, again, that's the foreshadowing stuff of like, I don't know if it's all going to work out, but interesting to balance the stressful situation with Crosshair in the polar opposite, like we're fishing on Pabu. You know, it's a vacation. Yeah, yeah. I loved seeing Wrecker fishing. I I love Wrecker and I love fishing. Seeing those two things together were just great. And we've talked before about like how Wrecker's up for whatever. And it just seems like that's his vibe, mm. right? He's like, I've never been fishing, but I like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a soldier. He's a soldier when he needs to be a soldier. And he's like, chill when he needs to be chill. Mm. He's vacationing when he needs. He has a great work-life balance mm. wrecker. He's very good at that. And yeah, I really enjoyed talk about like levity going from it's night out on Tantus mm. back to Pabu. And we see all of this fun stuff happening. They're rebuilding. We see like wrecker comes up with the fish that he caught for dinner or whatever. And Shep says he's becoming an integral part of the community. All of you are to Hunter. And that's when we get into a little bit more of the idea of them staying there. And Hunter says, putting down roots as a soldier is an occupational hazard. And Shep says, is that all you are? A soldier? Which I love that question. I think that's the tagline for the show. Put that on the DVD box set. Exactly. But it's done so well here, fitting within the plot and the like dialogue of the show, where with Mandalorian couple of episodes, not to keep harping on this, but there's some dialogue that just feels very shoved in there for maybe the people that are like washing dishes while they're also watching the show, <laughs> just to keep everybody up on what's going on. Either way, I loved this little conversation. So let's talk about Omega's flying lesson. You're talking about levity and wanting to see more levity. It sounds like you're not on board with seeing the darker torture stuff. What did you think of seeing this training session with Omega? You know, this is 
the rite of passage for anyone who's learning to drive a vehicle. You know, you're in that with your parent and they're like, or your sibling or whoever's teaching you. And they're like, oh my God, please don't crash. Like, you know, hit the brake, you know, turn, turn, cut the wheel, whatever it may be. Like, obviously the direct parallel to that real life situation. She can barely see over the the wheel. It's great. They wrote that great. They like, they set all the framing of the shots great where you see Tech's reaction and you see Omega really loving it. And oh, I'm going to do the Tech maneuver. Like, that was just great. A great scene. W- one thing I thought, maybe not on the, the levity side of the conversation, I thought it was a little weird, though, that she's driving the ship. And I guess the mayor said something like, oh, they're learning how to how to fly the ship, right? Some more flying lessons. So it's the thing they were doing. But I was kind of concerned, like, don't you think the residents of Pabu would be a little bit off put by like the Bad Batch doing like soldier training? Mm. This is our sanctuary and you're flying the ship around. You're doing these crazy maneuvers and the fishing and the helping of the rebuilding. That's all great. But if you guys are going to be doing like basic training, we are a peaceful society here, you know, and I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect between obviously the Bad Batch is trying to chill out and flying a ship is maybe a helpful skill outside of war anyway. But that seems more of a like, we need to train you to fly the ship in case you need to fly the ship because that's what soldiers do. And that still seems like part of that ethos within the Bad Batch. If I was a resident of Pabu, I definitely would be a little skeptical. I I don't know if you're thinking about any of that. There's obviously some danger for the Bad Batch being on Pabu and how that may turn out with the residents of Pabu if the Empire shows up. I don't know. Did you see anything there? Like that's, you know, I did not think about that at all. And there is a scene where she's flying the ship and like residents are waving. They were cheering. Yeah. Joyous and stuff. But that is neat to think about that. There might be some residents there that are like, we are a sanctuary. We don't want this kind of stuff going on. We don't want even the vibe of this kind of stuff going on. I think that's great to think about stepping into those people's shoes, which maybe sometimes the Bad Batch isn't good at doing. I did really enjoy seeing the training session, though, and it was so much fun. It was really great to see Tech and Omega's interactions and Omega saying the collision alarms haven't even gone off. And Tech says that's because they shorted out during your last lesson. But because I'm such a good teacher, (laughs) yes, you are improving. He explains the maneuver that he wants her to do, and she calls it the tech turn. And he was like, well, now that's not what it's called, but I rather like it. You know, it's just awesome to see those interactions. I also think it's super, super fun to see Tech react to teaching his kid to drive or whatever. The subtitles actually at one point said screaming (laughs) or Tech screaming or shouting or something. We have seen him do everything. He's a soldier. He's not afraid to go into battle. He jumps off of cliffs. He drives Mm. the like riot race. (laughs) We've never seen him afraid at all, but he's like stuck to the back of the seat. And he's like, (laughs) his facial expressions are scared. It was just so fun to see that he's this hardened soldier who's good at everything to be afraid of this kid driving his car or whatever. I want to compare that conversation that Shep and Hunter are having with the conversation that Echo and Hunter have when Echo shows up. Echo's talking about what he's been doing, and he says it's not about winning, it's about fighting for our brothers. And Hunter says, you know, when is it enough? What did you think about that whole scene about maybe Hunter giving more thought to staying on Pabu? Yeah, there's a lot to that. It's even like kind of like Han Solo, like this isn't my war, kid, you know? I, I, yeah. I'm in it for one person, me. I was kind of getting some of those vibes where he's like, hey, man, we're going to be fighting people forever. I would rather go fishing with Wrecker and, you know, just just pass the time. 
And obviously that's that's the way you could choose to lead your life. The Bad Batch has been beaten down, man. They've lost so much, you know. Camino is blown up. They've been stripped of their ranks. The Empire's hunting them. So they can either fight against this impossibly oppressive force or they can just hide out and retire. And I think that's where Hunter's mindset is, obviously. Echo's still in the fight and they're showing again that dichotomy between the two of them and Hunter's further challenging Echo. You're going to die fighting these people, you know? This is the Luthan thing, right? Like, wouldn't you like to die taking a few of them down with you? you know, and live your life for something? Or do you just want to retire and take care of Omega? So a really powerful question for a children's animated series. <laughs> it's not a children's show. Put that on the DVD box cover. But I think it's really interesting because Hunter is, you know, the stereotypical like leader of the group. He should be the one that's like, let's take the fight to them. And here he yeah. is like, oh, you know, maybe we could, you know, settle down. It's the polar opposite, still leading, but leading as more of a pacifist rather than let's go cause a ruckus. So just furthering that, that plot, do we retire? Do we take the fight to them? There's more to that. And we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. As Hunter and Echo were talking about Clone Force 99 staying on Pabu, Hunter says, I think this is the right thing for us to do, which boy, we've been talking about a lot lately, but in the broad scope of Shep saying, is that all you are a soldier? Echo coming in and saying, it's not about winning, it's about fighting for our brothers, and Hunter thinking that this might be the right thing for the Bad Batch to do. Like you said, leading his core group, leading his family, keeping them safe. It's not about winning, it's not about fighting, it's about keeping us safe, and this is where we can stay for that to happen. It's also, I think a little bit, Echo is much more tied to the regs than hunter and the rest of clone force 99 are mm. we saw them how the regs treated clone force 99 in the first season of this series echo was a reg so i think there's a little bit more of a connection there i'm not saying it's right or wrong they're all you know genetically brothers but we did see them that they were treated pretty poorly by some of the regs so there might be something there but the process of hunter finally coming to realize maybe the right thing for them to do as a group is to not fight, not be soldiers. You know, what, what else is really interesting that Hunter puts his hand on Echo's shoulder and says, when is it enough? And at that moment, Tech calls up and says he's decrypted the data that Echo has brought them. And we find out that Crosshair has been taken prisoner by the Empire, that Crosshair might have turned on the Empire. And we see them question whether it's real or whether it's a trap. What did you think of that whole scene with them hearing Crosshair's message and trying to figure that all out? I think it's a little frustrating that they think it's a trap. I wish that there was some kind of line like, no, we got to trust him. He's reaching out to us. Like, let's take it for face value here. They left that up in the air a little bit. So that doesn't feel good because we saw what Crosshair went through to get that message out. I had a note here that was like an alternate ending. What if, you know, they see Crosshair being taken away after that or Crosshair was shot and killed, you know, and it was like a K2SO situation like they see him keeling over delivering the message and then they're like oh my god we gotta go they're holding clones there so they don't know whether or not they can trust him which is an interesting plot point but it's, it's frustrating as the viewer to know he's trying to help yeah we have seen crosshair's redemption we have seen his journey they have not so they don't know. I mean, it's heartbreaking in that moment because like I've said, ignore it, send no transmission of any kind, you know? <laughs> 
This season completely turned me around on Crosshair, so it is heartbreaking and a little maddening for them to not believe him. Seeing Hunter at the end of this episode when they get the message from Crosshair, the look on his face and going back to him saying, when is it enough? We see Hunter figuring out that Crosshair is on this side of that line, right? Maybe if there is a line in the sand somewhere, on the other side is like, okay, this is enough. This is where the line is that's enough. I just want to live my life and keep my family safe. But if Crosshair sent that message, then he's still family. And if he's still family, then they have to fight for their brother, as Echo put it. So just little moments of extra dialogue and just a few words that I think really impact the characters and the storyline, which is amazing to see. I love it. We've got two episodes left. We see Hemlock and Tarkin speaking and Hemlock saying decommissioning isn't enough. Decommissioning clones isn't enough. Send them to me. And Tarkin saying, I expect to see a full plan from you at the summit. And next episode, the first part of the finale is called The Summit. What do you think about going into the finale? What do you think his plan could be? Let's speculate a little bit on what, what we think we might see next. Well, and Tarkin was mentioning, like, let's take out the clones and Hemlock saying, no, bring them to me and I'll repurpose them. So there's going to be some discourse about what to do about the clones. And of course, Echo is trying to save clones. Hunter is trying to just do his own thing with the Bad Batch. So I think Hunter and the Bad Batch are going to get roped back into this, whether or not that's some kind of attack on Pabu or just getting an information of where Crosshair is being held and then playing into that. They think it's a trap, but maybe they just play into that to get more recon. But I think I'll give you my wild conspiracy theory. I don't think this is the last season of The Bad Batch. I think there'll probably be another season. So how do we set this up for further plot lines? I don't think you're going to want to hear this, Joey, but I think that The Bad Batch is going to get brought into this fight. Maybe they lose someone like Crosshair or another one of their buddies. Maybe they lose Echo. And then they realize, you know what? We want to retire, but the fight isn't over. And as uncomfortable as that is, you know, they keep bringing me back in. So I think that's... That's sort of where this will go is that the Bad Batch, of course, isn't going to retire unless this is the series finale, which it doesn't feel like to me. And we know yeah. that there's so much more in the story going on. So I think they're going to get roped back in for one last fight, but it's going to turn into more. And then they're going to realize there's a lot, a lot more going on and there's more we can do. I'll leave it at that for now. What do, what do you think the ending is going to be? I have a couple of points here. Maybe some of them are left field theories. I'm curious to see what Hemlock's plan is. I do think, like I said before, that it will be turning the clones into soldiers again as dark troopers, maybe starting with these clone assassins that we've seen. I do have in my notes that I think we might see Crosshair die. I had not considered that we might see Echo, which I think would be like more of a risk for the show to take, which would be really interesting. Seeing Echo fall, protecting, saving, like based on the conversation he and Hunter just had. But my speculation was that I think we might see Crosshair die and that his last words might be, I'm sorry, or something to that effect to the batch. Fight the Empire! <laughs> yeah. I also don't think they'll lose Omega and get her back. I think this season will end with the Empire having Omega and it will be a cliffhanger. Yes. Yep. You nailed it there. Joey, you have just been promoted to head writer. I totally forgot about that plot point. And yep, Omega gets stolen and we spend a a year or two waiting to see what happens with that. Nailed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It would be really a heartbreaking cliffhanger to end this season with the Empire having control. I mean, even if the Bad Batch gets Crosshair back, but 
by doing that, the Empire gets Omega. And of course, like you said, I mean, I hope there's going to be another season. I don't know if it's official yet, if there is or not, but there's so much to get into here. There's so much more with the cloning stuff. Are you excited going into the finale? How do you feel? Are we are we kids on Christmas morning here? I've been really happy with the season so far. Super excited to see the ending. I'll be sad if it leaves us on a note that is uncomfortable for the next year or two or whenever they pick the show back up, but definitely excited for it. Yeah, same. I definitely have those kids on Christmas morning vibes. I'm worried. I'm sad that it's going to be over. I've enjoyed this season a lot. So I'm pretty sad that it's ending, but I'm very excited to see what happens. And I'm excited to see if I'm right about any of my crazy theories. So there you have it. All right, listeners, are you feeling like this is the night before Christmas or is it the night before the SATs? You let us know. We'd love to keep this conversation going. Leave your comments here on YouTube or hit us up wherever you like to social media. Make sure to subscribe for more coverage on the Star Wars series that are coming out. Thank you for listening to the end of the show today. I have been Royce. I've been Hauser. And we've been Krypton 2.